Hello, and thank you for listening to this week's podcast brought to you by Mallball Sports. We here at Mallball Sports appreciate uh, you taking the time to listen to the podcast weekly. And for the new listeners, thank you for joining uh, the movement of Mallball Sports. Um, So this week, the college football season, well, regular season wrapped up with the conference championship games, LSU beat Georgia in the SEC championship game. Ohio State beat uh, Wisconsin in the Big Ten championship game. Clemson beat Virginia in the ACC championship game. Oklahoma beat Baylor in an overtime thriller in the Big 12 championship game. Um, Oregon beat Utah in the Pac-12 championship game. Uh, and of note, Memphis beat Cincinnati in the AAC championship game for them to get a January 1 bowl game. Um, so, speaking of the January 1 bowl games, one game I would like to highlight, in which I will spend some time later on in the month discussing, probably in a couple weeks, and that is Michigan versus Alabama in the Citrus Bowl on January 1. Um, the last couple seasons, Michigan has played Florida in the bowl game. And this year they draw another SEC team with it being Alabama this time. Um, and so let's also another game I want to highlight is Buffalo versus Charlotte. In the Makers Wanted Bahama Bowl, which is on December 20th. Now, the reason for me highlighting this game is because Charlotte became an FBS school July 1st of 2015. And in four years, they're making their first ever bowl game. So congrats to that program. Um, Larry Ogunjobi, defensive lineman for the Cleveland Browns. That is the school he played ball at. So congratulations to them and their program. Within two years, they have an NFL player and a bowl game. So they are definitely on the up and up. And they hired a new coach, too. So they are definitely on the up and up. Um, And so to speak on the college football playoff, um, of course, I kind of figured if LSU beat Georgia, they would move into the one seed. And in which that is exactly what happened. That is what they did. Um, So LSU is the one seed. Ohio State is the two seed. Clemson is the three. And Oklahoma is the four seed. Uh, So LSU will play Oklahoma, of course. And Ohio State will play Clemson. Um, As with the Michigan versus Alabama game, I'll get more into the specifics and break down these those two games um, later on this month, probably a couple weeks as well, since that's when all the games will start up and start getting very interesting. Um, But a little tidbit to note, Ohio State's never beat Clemson, and yes, I am worried because they're the Buckeyes, Achilles heel, thorn in the side, whatever phrase you want to use. That's it. Uh, Also this week, the Heisman finalist 
uh, list came out. Um, and the the young men making the trip to New York City this year are uh, Joe Burrow from LSU, quarterback. Justin Fields from Ohio State, quarterback. Chase Young from Ohio State, defensive end. And Jalen Hurts from Oklahoma, quarterback. Now, uh, starting with Jalen Hurts. The last two previous seasons, first Baker Mayfield and then Kyler Murray, Oklahoma quarterbacks that won the Heisman. So will Jalen Hurts be able to make it a three-peat for Oklahoma and get them another quarterback to win the Heisman? I I kind of doubt it this year. Um, Hurts had a great season, transferred from Alabama after uh, he was sat down and Tua became the starter. Um, but now look at him. He left Alabama and... Oklahoma's in the college football playoff. Alabama isn't. And he is going to New York City. And Nick Saban's still in Tuscaloosa. So moving on to Chase Young, a tidbit. A defensive player has only won the Heisman once. And not since 97 by a trader whose which name. I will not speak. Uh, so perhaps that could happen again. But the difference in that case was that that gentleman was a return man and did play some snaps on offense to get some touchdowns. Uh, Chase Young does not play any snaps on offense. But it is an achievement that he is there nonetheless, barring that usually the Heisman only goes to people who play offense. Uh, next, Justin Fields, like I said, quarterback from Ohio State. Uh, this kid, Mike Hurts, too, was a transfer. He was at Georgia last year uh, behind from due to uh, the baseball team at Georgia. Fields was able to transfer to Ohio State and play right away. Um Fields has great numbers, but he's a high stakes quarterback, so he's iced out. He doesn't have a chance. So that leads us to Joe Burrow, who I and everyone else believe will win the Heisman, mainly because he plays in the SEC. Uh, and the bias with the SEC, so Joe Burrow's going to win the Heisman. Uh ESPN will do a whole hour-long presentation just to tell us what we all already know. So I guess I won't be watching that Saturday night. Uh, So that's it in a nutshell, really, for the college football. Other than, oh, Navy versus Army game is this weekend also. It is always great to watch that game. Um... Because those young men on the field will be on the battlefield one day protecting this country. And so we salute them as they entertain us. For a segue now, we're going to move into um, the NBA. 
I haven't spoke much about the NBA uh, this season because it's just now December. And to me, like knowing how players operate, they really don't get into it until really Christmas Day, until the Christmas Day games. But I did kind of want to highlight what's going on in the season so far. Um, Currently in the East, the top four seeds are Milwaukee, Boston, Miami, and Philly. I'm not too surprised by any of those teams. Uh, Giannis is having an MVP season yet again. Uh, Boston is very well coached, and they have a lot of talent. Miami kind of a surpriser, but uh, the rookie Nunn and Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler's a great player, and the East is really weak, so one great player really does help. <laughs> and Philly, we all know about Philly. Oh, and uh, Ben Simmons has made a three this year, so congratulations to him. Uh, and Embiid is still Embiid. Over in the West... Um, it is led first by the Lakers, and then the Clippers, and then Dallas, and the fourth seed currently is Houston. Uh, no surprises there. L.A. with their big acquisition over the summer, getting Anthony Davis in a trade with New Orleans. Um, you got the Clippers, who had a slam dunk offseason Landing the finals MVP and Kawhi Leonard and another great player and Paul George from a trade with Oklahoma City. Uh, Dallas being led by Luka Doncic and Kristaps Porzingis. Um, and then rounded out by Houston, who, of course, is led by James Harden. But honestly, I don't care about Houston or James Harden until about May 15th. Please show me if you will show up in the Western Conference Finals and ultimately make it to the uh, NBA Finals. If not, it's just another season where you guys score a lot of points and don't accomplish anything. Um, So, someone to speak on the the top three um, and the three major stats Uh, so for points James Harden of course leads the way with 38 points uh, far ahead of the pack because second and third place is Giannis uh, for the Milwaukee Bucks and then Luka Doncic uh, for the Dallas Mavericks uh, each averaging around 30 points per game uh, another player who's having an MVP caliber season is LeBron James. And currently he sits on top of the uh, the assists per game at 10.8 assists per game. Uh, next up is Rubio with 9.2 assists per game. Ricky Rubio from uh, the Phoenix Suns now. And Luka is third with also 9.2 assists per game. Um, And rebounds, leading the league in rebounds per game is Andre Drummond from the Detroit Pistons. 
He's putting up 16.7 rebounds per game. Uh, second is Clint Capella from Houston. And he's averaging just under 15 assists per game at 14.8. And rounding out the top three in rebounds is Rudy Gobert from the Utah Jazz. And he's averaging 13.5 rebounds per game. All right, so I'm just going to touch on some hot stove things going on so far in baseball. Uh, currently, the Cleveland Indians, unfortunately, since the Dolan family, unlike the Knicks Dolan family, are a bunch of cheapos. They're looking to trade Francisco Lindor to the Dodgers um, for two of the Dodgers' top prospects. Um, those talks are still going on. I'll have more for that later. And also, Steven Strasburg um, was able to get a new contract. And that was the first contract, first big contract of a, well, eye-popping big, I would say, of a hot stove season for baseball. And his contract was seven years, $245 million to stay with the Washington Nationals. Um, for one day, he had the biggest contract for a pitcher because the very next day, Garrett Cole signed a whopping nine-year, $324 million contract with the New York Yankees. So in two days, two teams, half a billion dollars on two players. But the Indians will not pay Francisco Lindor. Although the Indians' value of the team has like quadrupled and the Dolans are billionaires. But I digress, and so I will move on. All right, so I did want to touch on the NFL. So last week, the game in which many people saw or read about at least watched the highlights of was the Kansas City Chiefs going into and beating the New England Patriots uh, 23-16. to 16. So now the Chiefs are 9-4 and four and the Patriots are 10-3. Uh, the Chiefs only scored three points in the second half, but their defense held on for them to go ahead and win the football game. Now, I wanted to speak on a few moments in the game that really led to um, what happened. So the Chiefs were down 7-3 to because, of course, Brady went down and scored quickly in the first possession because that's really what the Patriots do. Um, Because they are very well coached. And their script is always top notch. But the Chiefs were able to respond with a passing touchdown for 48 yards um, from Mahomes to make the game 10-7. And then after the ensuing kickoff, 
Breland picked off Tom Brady. And a few plays later, that led to a Travis Kelsey direct snap for a four-yard touchdown run. So instead of it being – so after the Mahomes touchdown, it being 10-7, New England's getting the ball back. They can make it 14-10, back in the lead. Everything is okay. Breland's interception and then Kansas City's ability to – uh, take great advantage of that interception, led them to score a touchdown and went from being uh, 10-7 to to 17-7. And now New England was looking at a 10-point deficit. I'm still not too bad, barring that they, in the Super Bowl nonetheless, came back from down 25. Um, but it's still a significant a double-digit lead against a good team in which the Chiefs are a good team. Another moment that ruined it for the Patriots was in kill Harry. Uh, he had caught a pass. Looked like he had he should have scored a touchdown. Well, it looked like he he did go ahead and score a touchdown, but he was ruled out of the bounds at the three yard line. Uh, the Patriots were out of challenges, so they couldn't challenge the play to get overturned. So. It had to remain as called on the field in which on third down, Brady was sacked and they had to settle for a field goal instead of scoring a touchdown and being able to take advantage of that opportunity. So the Chiefs were able to take advantage of an opportunity um, and score. But when the Patriots got down to the red zone, they had to settle for a field goal. And settling for field goals is how you end up losing ball games. Uh, and that is what happened to the Patriots, really. They ended up having to settle for three field goals uh, to go along with that one touchdown. Hence why they only ended up with 16. Um, if they convert, well, not just one, but they would have needed two touchdowns out of those three field goals. They would have won the ball game. Um their defense played well, barring that a pick on TB12 set up a touchdown. Um, and they the defense held the Chiefs to only three points in the second half. So, I mean, you would think, you know, 23 points is few enough for Tom Brady to go ahead and win a ball game. But that was not the case. And so now the Chiefs sit on top of the AFC West and the Bills are breathing down the Patriots' neck. Um, so far this season, the three games that the Patriots have lost, they lost to young quarterbacks who are athletic enough to move around. I don't know if this is a – well, it's three times, so it is a trend. So I would say I don't know how Belichick is going to defend it come the playoff time, but I'm sure he will because he always finds a way and – his specialty is in defense, although TB12 is great. Um, so, like I said about the AFC West and East, with the Chiefs being in the lead there and the AFC West, the Patriots are in the lead. Um, the AFC South is looking very murky between the Titans, the Colts, 
and the Texans. So who's going to win that division? Uh, who knows? And then the AFC North is pretty much uh, the Ravens to lose. <laughs> but really, what I wanted to speak on is uh, the NFC East. I mean, who is going to win the NFC East? Currently, the best record in the NFC East is 6-7, and seven, held by two teams, Philly and Dallas. Uh, this week... Philadelphia plays the Washington Redskins. Like I said, Philly is six and seven. The Redskins are three and ten. And I mean, far fetched, but what happens if Philly loses out and Dallas loses out and Washington is, wins out? I don't know if they can because I don't know. Maybe Philly and Dallas end up playing each other again before everything is all said and done. Um. Of course, I don't see Washington winning this division. It's really out of Philly and Dallas. Uh, this game, Philly does have an easier road to get to seven. They get five. Excuse me, get to five hundred uh, since they do play Washington. And Dwayne Haskins hasn't looked all that great, but who would look great behind that offensive line? I would say. Now, on the other hand, the Dallas Cowboys face the Los Angeles Rams this week. And the Rams are 8-5. and five. Um, And right now they sit outside of the playoffs at 8-5 and five due to the 49ers being in front of that in that division and then Seattle being ahead of them and also the Vikings being ahead of them for the wild card. So this is a must-win game for the Rams, just so they can stick in it. Now, historically speaking, the loser of the Super Bowl, a lot of times doesn't even make the playoffs the very next year, and which looks like the Rams are trending to do the same, I would say. Um, and so that's a, a big matchup. Typically, Dallas plays at the, the 4 o'clock slot, um, on Sundays, this is basically a primetime game. That's the way Fox treats it, and that will be the case again this week. So I did in, indeed want to touch on this game because it, it is going to be the most intriguing matchup of the weekend. Like I said, Dallas needs a win to stay in front first place in their division, um, and the Rams need to win to stay in contention for the wild card. So to highlight some of their their leaders on that team, starting with the Rams, Jared Goff has um, 3,712 yards for the season uh, to go alongside 15 touchdowns and four interceptions. And his completion percentage is 63%. Uh, Certainly, we always say that Jared Goff isn't playing at the same level as last year, in which when they won the division and made it to the Super Bowl. Uh, Todd Gurley is looking more like Todd Gurley this season. Uh, He has 177 carries for 721 yards and nine touchdowns and also 26 receptions and one touchdown. So they really don't use him a whole, whole lot out of the backfield. Um, but Ty Gurley is the Rams' workhorse. 
Um, and this season looks like he'll get over a thousand yards and have, and should have more than, uh, should be in double digit touchdowns. Uh, the leader for the Rams in receptions and yards and catches and touchdowns is uh, Cooper Cup. He had 77 receptions um, for 999, 990 yards with seven touchdowns. Um, Robert Woods is second. He has 71 catches for 933 yards and one touchdown, which is kind of weird that he has, he'll have a thousand yards receiving, but only a handful of catch uh touch touchdown receptions, which is kind of odd, a little different. Um, now to move on about Dallas, Dak Prescott is um their quarterback and he has uh four thousand one hundred and twenty two yards on the season. Um, with 24 touchdowns and 11 interceptions. And he's his uh, completion percentage is 66%. Um, Dak's played up and down this season, but so has Dallas as a team. Uh, so it's to be expected that if the team has played up and down, of course, the quarterback has been up and down as well. Um, their leading rusher is Ezekiel Elliott. And he has 246 um, carries for 1,071 yards with nine touchdowns. Um, He's used a tad bit more out of the backfield than what uh, the Rams use Gurley. He has 41 touchdown, uh, 41 receptions, but also only one touchdown. Um, to go alongside it. And so the leading receiver for Dallas is Amari Cooper. He has 70 catches for 1,054 yards and eight touchdowns. And Gallup is second with 55 catches, 905 yards, and three touchdowns. And so it looks like both of these teams will end up with two wide receivers going over the thousand yard mark. Um, so that is something of note. And Jason Winton also does have three touchdown catches in his return season back after being in the booth last year. Also, very interesting. Um, so this game, like I said, is on is on Sunday afternoon in Dallas. Um, it's very important for both of them. I think. I think the Rams have a um, should play better, mainly due to the fact that they have Aaron Donald, and Aaron Donald is a difference maker on the defensive line. But then again, Dallas's strong point on their team is their offensive line. Um, so will Zach Martin and company be able to slow down Aaron Donald so Zeke can run the football and then Dak can use play action? But I would say that 
the Rams will probably win this game due to Dallas's coaching. Because Jason Garrett, coach is scared, and Sean McVay is the hot commodity, and and he'll do trickeration, and and I just think they're I wouldn't say better coached, like discipline wise, but offensively I think they have more creativity, um, and Zeke is great. And so is their offensive line, in which that's why Zeke is already over a thousand yards rushing. But I don't know. I just think I think Dallas really needs a new coach. But again, again, if Dallas wins this game and they win their division, I mean, you can't fire Jason Garrett, and that's really what Jason Garrett does. He's just hanging on to his job, really, and they keep having unperforming, underperforming seasons. But yet they're winning their division. So, I mean, you win your division, you're going to keep your job, right? Can't fire somebody for being in first place. Um, but I don't think they're going to win the division this year. Because, like I said, I think Philly's going to win and Philadelphia will be 500. And Dallas is going to lose to the Rams this week, I would think. And then Dallas will be uh, two games under 500 because they're already 6-7 and seven now. And I think that will be the difference with only two more games to go. Well, three more games to go. No, two more after this game. I don't think there will be enough time for them to come back. Um, so for this game, it looks like the line is a point and a half. With L.A. being the favorites. And the over-under is 49. For this game... I would say the Rams are going to cover because it's only a point and a half. As for the over-under, I don't know about this one because 50 points is a lot. Um, That's three touchdowns and a field goal per each team. And like I said, with the way that the Cowboys are limited with their offense, with them being real stale and stagnant, I really don't see them scoring that much. And Jared Goff hasn't played all that well either this season. So I really don't see the Rams scoring all that much. So I would have to say this game is going to be under. Um, so with that, we're going to conclude this week's episode. Like I said, thank you guys for um, listening in, being weekly subscribers to the podcast. I really, truly appreciate it. Um, If there's anything you guys would like for me to speak on, uh, for example, with uh, it was some listeners input for me to talk about the uh, NBA this week. So I went ahead and did so. Please feel free to tweet at the podcast. Twitter handle is uh, Mallball Sports. Or you can call into the show. You can do a recording somehow at Anchor. Um, So, yeah, again, thank you for your time. And I hope you all have a great week. And I'll speak to you again next week. Take care.